Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Georgia Baptist Discipleship Catalyst, and I'm so excited to be joined today with a, a panel of experts that are getting it done. A couple of guys that are um, that have written some materials, that are authors. Uh, I'll start out with Ken Adams. Ken, we're glad you're with us. He's uh, from Car Crossroads Church, a pastor there in Noonan, and the founder of Impact Ministries. And as we get going through here, uh, we'll drop the link to uh, Impact Ministries in the comment section below. We've also got Bill Wilkes. He's author and creator of Living the D-Life. And uh, again, we'll be dropping that link to that material below as well. And he's pastor also of North Park Baptist Church in Trustville, Alabama. And I tell you, uh, both of these guys have churches, individuals, groups that are using their materials all over Georgia. So you guys know that I've only been here since September. And immediately I began to see the network of disciple making that's happening. So that's why we're uh, super excited to have both you guys on the uh, broadcast with us today. Also, we've got Jim Perdue, pastor there at Second Baptist in Warner Robins. And uh, Brother Jim, we're glad that you're with us because we're seeing things in that middle Georgia area and you guys are really attacking things. So we appreciate you being with us to give some wisdom and direction from a pastor's perspective and disciple making. And then Matthew Gibbs, one of our Discipleship Consultants is going to guide us through the discussion today, and Matthew is the Minister of Education and Evangelism there at Warner Robins. And I'll just mention this as we as we launch into this, Matthew, and then you you take control and guide us through the discussion. I grew up with this um, unspoken but very real philosophy that said if you go to church, go to big church on a Sunday morning, you're a good Christian. You know, maybe go. Two, two times a month, two or three times a month. If you go to big church and you go to Sunday school, then you're a super Christian. Like you're the kid that we want our child to marry, right? You're, you're just, you're an all-star. If you go to big church, you go to Sunday school and you serve on a service team, well, you must be called to ministry because nobody does that, right? And then you're, you're going to be the next Sunday school director. Or you're going to be the next pastor or missionary. But the truth is, Though being involved in these multiple layers of the local church is simply what New Testament biblical discipleship looks like. It's what a biblical church member should look like. So I am super excited. I'm not going to say anything much through this. I'm going to be taking notes on what you guys say because I'm so, I've been looking forward to this broadcast with you three men for about a month. So glad y'all are here. Matthew, take charge and guide us through, bro. Thank you, Scott. And Guys, I just want to thank you, Ken, Bill, and Pastor Jim, for being here uh, uh, today. And what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about a disciple-making culture. That's really what a lot of our pastors in the, in the, in the state are asking. They realize that we need to, to leverage this unique time we find ourselves in and really kind of turn the corner towards developing a disciple-making, continuing disciple-making culture in our churches. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to feed you some questions and let you respond and uh, Brother Ken, we'll start with you, and then Brother Bill and, and Pastor Jim, after Ken gets finished, just take a few minutes to respond to the same question. Here's the first question. What are some shifts, maybe two or three shifts, that churches need to make to develop a disciple-making culture? Yeah, good question, uh, Matthew. And uh, let me just say, first of all, thanks for uh, letting me be a part of the, uh, the, the panel here, and uh, uh, both Scott, you and Matthew, uh, thanks a lot for just uh, just what you're doing, man, in uh, in our state and uh, through our churches. And so, uh, this is really exciting to be a part of this and 
especially when you're talking about disciple making. So, uh, uh, so again, just uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Uh, so, Matthew, to your question, uh, a couple of things that I think I would just say uh, about creating a culture of disciple making. I think uh, really for me, there's two keys. And the first one, I think, is really a, uh, I think it's a huge question that churches have to ask. And that is, do we want to be a disciple making church? Or do we want to be a church with discipleship? And uh, honestly, in my opinion, those are two very different things. Uh, because I know a lot of churches that see discipleship as a program to add on to everything else you do. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, when you look at the life of Christ and you look at the way uh, Jesus did ministry, uh, disciple making was the mission. And so that's what we're about really from beginning to end. And so uh, I think the first way to change the culture is really to sort of settle that question, you know, are, are we going to just be a church that discipleship is another program or is that going to be what we do? And again, I, I think that's what the great commission is all about is that we're clearly been called to make disciples. I think a second thing that obviously determines your culture is the role of the pastor. And, uh, you know, you, you would like to think that if the mission of the church is to make disciples, that every pastor is a disciple-making pastor. Uh, but I think Bill and Jim would both uh, probably agree that's not always the case. And uh, so uh, I think there's two things. One is, are, are you going to be a disciple-making church? And are you being led by a disciple-making pastor? Speed of the leader, speed of the team, uh, pastor is going to make all the difference. So that, that's, uh, that's my, my thoughts for you. Brother Bill, why don't you share with us a little bit? Yeah, thanks, Matthew, and <clears throat> thank you for letting me be a part of this. Uh, I think what uh, I think the most important thing <clears throat> that we need to teach and equip our people for today is that disciple making is not a program, like Ken, Ken said, it's a lifestyle. You know, when you look at Jesus, he didn't invite those 12 disciples to a program. <clears throat> for him, uh, disciple making was his lifestyle. And for those three years that he had to be in ministry on earth, he literally poured his life into those 12 men and he taught them how to live a lifestyle of disciple making. And so that's the main priority that we're trying to get across to the people at North Park where I pastor and where we're able to go and do D-Life boot camps around the country is, is our training is training you how to live a lifestyle of disciple making that you can live anytime, anywhere. You're not limited by time or space. And, uh, and, and not only the philosophy of understanding that disciple making <clears throat> is a lifestyle, but you have to have a process. You've got, in order for it to be a lifestyle, people have to have a simple, biblical, missional, and reproducible process of how to live out that lifestyle. And, and so our job as pastors is to equip them with that. And so that's what we're doing is uh, we're just training as many people as we can, equipping them that it's a lifestyle and here's a process where you can live that lifestyle. Pastor Jim. Yeah, I appreciate uh, y'all having me today. And I'm very thankful for the perspective of, uh, of these two guys. I would say as a, as a pastor, of a local church, 
one of the things that, that we've had to confront over the last few months during this physical distancing, you know, coronavirus, quarantine, and uh, closing the church building is that as a pastor, a lot of times we have equated discipleship with just showing up, be here on Sunday morning, be here, you know, to serve, be here for this. And while that ought to be um, an outgrowth of genuine discipleship, if I'm a genuine disciple, I ought to connect with God and others, I ought to grow my relationship with the Lord and accountability, I ought to serve in ministry within the church and mission beyond the church, I ought to do all of those things. But over the last two months, we haven't had the opportunity to, quote, attend worship like we normally do or serve in a ministry like we normally do. And it's, it's caused me as a pastor to think about genuine discipleship. And I'm thankful that we have been preparing over the last several years to uh, roll out D groups in our church. Uh, I'm still meeting with my D group every week, even though it's on Zoom. We still meet, memorizing scripture together, growing in our faith. And so the shift for me in terms of leadership is while church attendance, giving, serving, all ought to be metrics for discipleship, that's not all it is. It leads to those things. That's the natural outgrowth. But just because you do those things doesn't necessarily mean you're a disciple. So it's helped probably shift our thinking a little bit in that regard. Okay, great, guys. Thank you all for that. Um, here's a second question, and Brother Bill, we'll start with you. Uh, what's the process? How do you assimilate people into discipleship in your disciple-making culture? Specifically, what I'm asking is, what's the process to form your D groups? Yeah, well, Matthew, for about 25 years of my ministry, I didn't have a process, and that was the problem. And we had a healthy church, but we were healthy and happy. We were not, we were not seeing conversion growth. We were, <clears throat> we were just... Uh, you know, happy with who we had and nothing was multiplying. And so God really convicted me. And, and long story short, uh, I went into a study of the four gospels and wrote a process uh, called D-Life, living a lifestyle of disciple making. And, the pro and we, we began to use that process as our staff. And then our wives wanted to do it. So they, they started and then we started training our people in what we call a boot camp. And, and we trained them in the six practices of disciple making that Jesus modeled, fellowship, teaching, prayer, ministry, multiplication, accountability. And so it's a, a simple process and a simple tool that we put into our people's hands. And every year we, we do the training. We equip them as they, their groups get ready to multiply our groups can meet anytime, anywhere. They can meet in homes, restaurants, coffee shops, places of business. And uh, it's a kingdom growing process. It's not about building our church. It's about building the kingdom of God and making disciples that multiply. And we believe if we, if we do that, then, you know, our church will see the fruit of that. But uh, we're all about building the kingdom. So, so you've got to have a clear process. It's got to be simple enough that the common layperson can do it. It's got to be biblical. It's got to be missional. It's got to get you outside the walls of your church, engaging people. And then most importantly, it's got to be a simple process of, of reproducing. It's got to have a simple way to multiply itself. And so we, uh, we're doing that with D-Life. I talk about when I was a boy, my dad taught me to fish 
with the Zebco 33. And he said, this is the most simple, reliable fishing tool you'll ever use. And so I think we've got to put a Zebco 33 in the hands of our people for fishing for men. Because if I didn't have that Zebco 33, I would not have known how to fish. But with a tool, you teach them how to fish and they can teach others how to fish. Great job. Brother Ken, tell us a little bit about your process. Yeah, so uh, man, I, uh, I, I love what Bill said about uh, discipleship being a lifestyle. And so, uh, and, and so we want to go back to the life of Christ. And that's exactly what he said uh, as he just kind of walked through the Gospels and studied the life of Christ. And so, uh, so one of the things that we try to do here, and, and, and again, we see it as, a, uh, as a, a, a larger process of becoming a disciple-making church. And so uh, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to help uh, untrained seekers become fully trained disciples. You know, Jesus said in Luke 640, he said, a, a student is not above his uh, master, but when uh, a student is fully trained or a disciple is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. And so, uh, so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to help people that are unschooled, ordinary men uh, become fully trained disciples. And so uh, we're trying to do it uh, really by following the same model that we see in Christ. And uh, going back to what Bill said, we're just kind of looking through the Gospels. And uh, Jesus did this with a process, you know. Uh, he was very intentional and he was very strategic. And um, so that's kind of what we do. We just try to help people. Uh, our process is really uh, kind of based on uh, what Jesus uh, said in the first chapter of John. You know, he invited people to come and see, and then he said, come and follow me, and then come and remain in me, and then come and go out from me. So what we do on a, on a really a macro scale is that we're trying to reach out to our culture. Uh, we're trying to help them become a part of a Christ crowd. Uh, we try to help move them into community and then to get them into a disciple-making core. And so uh, that's the process that we use. And uh, uh, we, are, we are really just trying to, uh, to champion that, it really at several different levels. Uh, you kind of start hearing about it just even in the weekend services. And then as you sort of begin the assimilation process, uh, we're continually talking about that strategy and casting the vision for that and really just trying to help lead people into that process. So uh, I think we're saying the same thing, uh, that it really is a process, and it's just kind of our job to help lead people from step to step through that process. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We, uh, we're just trying to be very intentional about helping people become uh, fully trained disciples. That's what we're trying to do. Great. Pastor Jim, I know we're – our church has only been in the process a couple of years now, but I'm hearing some of the same words that we use, intentionality, strategy, process, uh, the life of Jesus. Share a little bit about what we're doing at Second. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Matthew. I think at the global scale, and far as, as far as your entire church, you first have to define what a disciple is. So if, if our task is to make disciples, how do we know we're making what we're supposed to be making? And early on in the process, I've been there eight years now, early on, we identified three words. Um, and we, we talk about these words a lot, connect, grow, serve. And so it, it's, it's a pathway. It, they're, not, they're not just points you try to hit, but it's a pathway. It's a lifestyle. A disciple will connect with God personally and connect with 
with believers in corporate worship. A disciple will grow in accountability and, uh, you know, spiritually in uh, association with other people. A disciple will serve in ministry within the church and a mission beyond the church. And so once we have that framework, you know, where we say this is what a disciple is, we can tell when people start engaging in those areas. Now, as I said before, you can have somebody doing all of those still not necessarily uh, a genuine disciple or a faithful follower of Jesus. They're just kind of checking the boxes, but genuine discipleship is going to lead to uh, each one of those things. And over the last few years, Pastor Matthew knows, we have started instituting D groups where we meet together in groups of three or four, maybe five, and it's scripture memorization. It's all centered around the word because we believe the word is what's going to bring about transformation. So it's, it's centered around a Bible reading plan. It's centered around scripture memory. It's accountability questions. Um, it's a prayer group. And, and so we started with our staff uh, and uh, we went through an entire year together as a team. And then after that, we said, go find three or four. So 10 or 12 people going to find three or four more who, you know, go for 12 to 18 months together and then find three or four more. And we tried to begin with, uh, if you're looking at a scale of people you think might be ready, we're trying to get the, the sevens, eights, and nines, you know, the ones that, that you can spend a year with and turn around and say, now you go find somebody, you do the same thing. And it's the ministry of multiplication. And I told our team, I said, you have to understand this is beneath the surface, right? This isn't one of those big programs where you're going to see in six months, everything just explode and change because, you know, you've done this fundamental, you know, seismic shift. Really, it's, it's very organic. It's very slow, but it's very strong and very deep. And, and so I think it helps enhance and transform the culture of our discipleship through our entire church and that, you know, this is the, I'm in my second generation, Pastor Matthew, I think you might be in your third generation. If I'm counting the staff, I'm in my third, you might be in your fourth, but the guys that are in my group now, I mean, I'm having guys, you know, we're not even six months in to 2020 saying, I've never read the Bible like we're reading the Bible. I've never memorized scripture like, like we're memorizing scripture. I've never been in a relationship where I can talk about my issues and my problems, my struggles genuinely with someone else. And it has been an encouraging process to see them growing in their faith. And it's, it's slow, it's small, but it's significant. Uh, okay. I'm on now. Sorry. Uh, as a staff person, I think it's changed the way our staff viewed their responsibility in discipleship as well uh and uh, and i think they've they've not only benefited from learning to be a disciple maker but uh, the whole process of, of 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 being discipled was great for some of them as well so uh, it's been a great process here's the third uh, uh question final question and pastor jim i'm going to start with you and then we'll move back through uh bill and ken how do you get long-term commitment on, and an ongoing process that continues to reproduce and sustain it? Boy, that's a great question. And I, I think everybody on this panel would say, um, and man, if you, if you guys have hit a hundred percent, I'd love to hear how you've done it. But I think everybody would say it's not a hundred percent. You know, if I had five guys in my group, uh, you know, last go around, the goal is for all five to start a new group. Well, 
I think about four did, maybe three, you know, but I, as a perfectionist, I have to remind myself, okay, that's three more than we had. Maybe we didn't hit five. It's three more than we had. The goal is for those that have been through a 12 or 18 month process, then to turn around and find others that they can walk through. So, so I'm continuing the process of spiritual growth, Bible reading, scripture, memory, and all of these other things with another group. It's perpetual. It doesn't stop. It's not like you host a D group one time. You're like, man, I'm glad I checked that off my list. I've made disciples like Jesus told me to. And, and now I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's, Every year, every week, you know, every day, sometimes connecting with people, ministering to people, loving on people, serving people. The goal is it is for it to be exponential and reproducible. And so if I've got three or four guys, you know, after a year to 18 months, they're supposed to go get three or four guys. I'm supposed to get another three or four. Right. And then again, it's supposed to it's supposed to kind of tear down to where our, our goal I talked to one pastor who said, hey, one of the struggles we have now is finding people who haven't been in one of these D groups in our church because it's so much a part of our culture. And we do that sometimes around staff. It's like, wait, wait, no, you can't have him. I already asked him. I already thought about him because we're trying to find the cream of the crop and then, and then filter that down. And so it, it's a continual process. Uh, we talk about it in staff. Tell me about your D groups. How's that going? Uh, and when we did it as a staff, I think it was transformational for us because it's not just about my ministry job. This is about making disciples. So whether you're ed, whether you're music, whether you're kids, um, whether you're students, whether you're the pastor, whatever, all that comes under the banner of we are disciple makers. That's our task, right? That's our calling. Any New Testament church, we're to go and make disciples. How we flesh that out might look different, um, but it has to be a perpetual, continual, uh, reproducible, exponential process. Brother Bill. Uh, yeah, I, I will say what Jim said. It's not, um, nobody's going to hit 100% in it, uh, but uh, I think the key is, is teaching your people, number one, that it's our supreme purpose in life, that, that the one thing that Jesus said is, is our great commission is to make disciples, and so it's our supreme purpose uh, we've got to have a simple process. Again, the word simplicity, I think, is paramount because uh, Jesus did not call the elite to be his 12 disciples. He, he called 12 common, ordinary men. And disciple-making is a grassroots movement. And so it's got to be simple enough that we can train uh, the common man, the common woman, the common teenager that may not have the gifts of teaching eloquently, but how can they live a life of making disciples? They're not left out. So it's, it's got to be our supreme purpose. It's got to be simple. And then for us, uh, D-Life is something, living a life of disciple making, it never stops. It's not a 12-week program or a 26-week program. Uh, our D-groups meet for a year, and then our goal is they have at least one or two in their group that they're ready to multiply out. Everybody may not be ready to multiply. You may have a new believer in a group. You may have somebody struggling with, a, with a, an issue and an addiction. You may be, even have an unbeliever that is seeking, that's willing to get in a, in a D group that meets in a restaurant that may not even be in church. And we're seeing most of our conversion growth come from low-hanging fruit uh, 
people that are seeking get get in a D group and come to know Christ. So those people are not going to be ready. But but we always try to have a leader have at least one other mature believer, maybe two, helping them lead the group. And those are the ones that they multiply out. And then we do the training every year, the D-Life Boot Camp, so that in a way we're kind of double equipping our leaders. We, we equip them by being in a D-group itself. And then even though they've learned how to do it, we still take them through a four-hour boot camp to keep the multiplication mandate out there. Because if you, if you don't overemphasize the multiplication side of it, then your disciple-making process will just turn into a nev another non-reproducing Bible study. So you constantly have to keep the priority of multiplication and reproduction before the people, and we do that in our yearly training event, uh, which is our boot camp. And, and keeping that before your people is so, so vital and so important. All right, Brother Ken, share with us. Well, I think, first of all, I think what Bill just said about the multiplication piece, I, I think that's huge, and I think that's key. You know, uh, I, I was listening to what Jim said, and I just, sometimes I have to remind myself that even Jesus didn't have 100%, you know, and so uh, uh, so I, I have to go back, and, you know, there's a verse, interesting verse in John uh, chapter 6, uh, I think it's interesting, it's John six sixty six, <laughs> and it says, and many turned and followed him no more. And so, uh, so you, you are always going to have those that don't catch it, that don't get it, and that don't turn around and reproduce and multiply, uh, even though that's the goal to do that. So I, I think uh, just a couple of things that we try to do. One is, uh, I think it's important to really uh, set the expectation up front and kind of goes back to what Bill was saying. If you're, if you're letting people know up front that the goal is to multiply, now, that may not be with everybody in the group, but at least the potential leaders, and, and talk about that. Let people know uh, our goal is not to stay in this one little group forever. Our goal is to, is to grow up to a point where we can turn around and reproduce that. So uh, I think that's important. I think, uh, I think uh, setting the expectation up front and talking about it often is huge. And so uh, uh, I would say that's number one. And along with that, is that I would say the key is leadership development and, uh, and, and making sure that the leadership understands that. Uh, you know, everybody here has heard the statement, uh, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. That's true. You know, if you, get, if you get leaders that understand the vision and they know what the mission is and what the strategy is, uh, then you increase the likelihood of, uh, people having long-term commitment and sticking with it, you know, for long-term. So uh, I've, I have found even just in my own personal experience uh, that I have invested and discipled some guys and sort of commissioned them to go out, turn them loose, but didn't stay with them and follow up and help them uh, get that next, uh, that next generation started and even help them get to that third generation of disciples. So uh, I think you have to, uh, I think you really have to, to, to come alongside those leaders and help them continue uh, that process of multiplying. I mean, that's the whole purpose behind it, and that's what makes it work. So uh, I, I think uh, setting that expectation 
and doing that through leaders uh, are probably the two most important things uh, from my perspective. I would agree. And I've heard that over and over again. And the folks that have mentored me, the, the key to success and discipleship is new leaders and new groups. Or if you don't do those, you can't sustain the process. All right. Last question is just give you a chance to share any final thoughts. Uh, Brother Bill, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts that you might share with the uh, pastors here in Georgia as they seek to create a disciple-making culture? Yeah, I think, you know, I, my heart is so burdened about disciple-making. I, I grieve all the time that we have been over 2,000 years since Christ our Lord gave us a great commission, and, and I think we failed miserably. I mean, there are people all over the world that have still never heard the gospel of Jesus, and if we had just continued the grassroots movement that Jesus started, uh, we, would have, we would have reached our world a long time ago. And the world is still very much within our reach. If we would just get back to a grassroots uh, disciple-making process. I mean, I've been blown away at COVID-19. And you look at how quickly COVID-19 has reached the world. I mean, every nation has reached the world. It all started with one person, and one person infected 14, and those 14 went out and infected 14 more. And I see a negative thing that is an example of what Jesus meant when he said, go make disciples. What if we were infecting people with the gospel like COVID-19 uh, is infecting people with a virus? Just think, if we were that contagious, and, and that's all it is to be a disciple maker. You, you don't have to have a seminary degree. <laughs> you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have a contagious heart for Christ and his word and help others develop that contagious heart for Christ and his word. And so what we're, the, the goal of, of D-Life is to see a global grassroots disciple making movement. And that's what I pray for. Uh, I lead three or four D groups every single week because it's my passion. And, and pastors, if we're going to see this, uh, a disciple-making passion has to begin in our pastors. We've got to model it. We, we've got to own it. And then we've got to try to help that contagious spirit uh, transfer into our churches. Pastor Jim, any final thoughts? Well, I think one of the things as a, as a pastor, first of all, there was a quote, and I believe it's Bill Hull, you guys may know, uh, that really stuck with me because for the longest time, I was trained and taught, man, you preach the word, people are going to grow. Preach the word, people are going to grow. And, and I believe the word transforms lives and it will not return void. But I also believe preaching alone is not going to make disciples. And I can't remember if it was Bill Hull who said it, but, you know, saying that you're preaching and making disciples is like going to the nursery and spraying a bunch of babies with milk and saying, you, you know, you fed the babies. Like it doesn't work that way. Um, that's an image. That's a picture that I get in my mind. And so a lot of times, you know, when I'm preaching, I'm like, I need to remember while I want to equip people, I want to encourage people. I want to counsel people. I want to challenge and exhort people. Um, there's still a component to ministry as a pastor that I have to be engaged in. Uh, if I'm going to be fulfilling the Great Commission, which is the component of making disciples. And if you told me five years ago that 
I would find something I enjoy as much as preaching and pastoring. You know, those are, those are really high on my list, man. I love it. They're very rewarding for me and I enjoy it. But meeting with my D group, pouring in the lives of, of guys has been just as rewarding and encouraging for me in ministry. And if you'd have told me that five years ago, I'm not sure I would have believed you, but it is awesome to see the lights turn on. And every week we've got guys, we're reading the word together. We've got guys, Hey, what does this mean? What about that? And just walking through the word together, doing life together is so incredibly powerful. And so if you're a pastor and you do not have a plan, um, there are, I mean, these guys have phenomenal material. Uh, there are plans out there. You can't use the excuse. You don't know how to do it because you know, you need to get started. You need to figure it out, find a plan that works and, and make it happen. It's been, it's been life-changing for me. And I believe it's a, it's a culture shift in our church. Well, Ken, I'm going to give you the final word. Well, you know, I would, uh, I would agree with what uh, both these guys are saying. And, and, you know, one of the things uh, kind of been my experience is that, uh, is that a lot of, uh, probably a lot of people that are watching this, uh, uh, this panel discussion, uh, probably a lot of them are pastors or uh, key lay leaders. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've just seen this over and over again is that uh, the problem is that uh, a lot of pastors not necessarily don't want to see disciples being made. They just don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so they've got to be, they've got to be equipped. They've got to be trained. And, you know, it, uh, I didn't get it uh, in seminary. Uh, I didn't get it from uh, other pastoral models that I was under. Uh, I've, you know, been able to kind of develop it and learn it, uh, kind of like Bill was saying, just by studying through the Gospels and uh, being a pastor that is uh, in a local church, trying to figure it out, trying to make it happen, and knowing that Jesus is the model and the method for doing that. And so, you know, one of the things we do in Impact Ministries is that we're trying to help uh, equip uh, pastors to be disciple-making pastors. And so uh, we're trying to come along pastors and help them do that. We know that if the pastor is leading toward mission, uh, there's a good chance a church is going to end up making disciples. And so uh, that's a big part of what we're doing. We're trying to help pastors figure that out. Again, I think for a lot of them, uh, it's not that they don't want to. They just don't know how. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever taught them. Uh, they've never been discipled themselves. And so uh, we, we get what we have because of what we've been doing over and over again. And so, uh, so we're trying to help, you know, maybe – uh, maybe swing it in a different direction a little bit. Uh, I will say this. I, I thought this was really good. Uh, you know, you, you sent us an article that Scott wrote uh, when we started talking about this panel, and, and he made a statement in this article on pivots, and he said, if we fail at anything, it must not be in the area of making disciples. And uh, as soon as I read that, I was reminded of one of my favorite quotes by D.L. Moody. He said this, he said, our greatest fear should not be of failures, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I believe that we have a spiritual enemy that will do everything in his power to get us to succeed at the wrong thing. And so uh, I really believe that we have to we really have to guard against that. We have to do our very best to fight against um, doing good things at the expense of the best things. And you know what both these guys have said, the very best thing we can give our time, energy, and effort to 
is, is helping to lead the church to become a movement of multiplying disciples, which like Bill said, is, is building the kingdom of God. And so, uh, so I, I really think that's what this whole conversation is about. And we get to be a part of that. And, you know, here in our church, we're, we're swinging at it really hard. Uh, I'd be lying if I told you that we had figured it out or that we were a movement of multiplication. But I will tell you that we are really, really swinging at it harder than we ever have. And we, we're beginning to see uh, some, some progress and some results in that. So, uh, uh, so we want to succeed. Uh, at the right thing, not at the wrong thing. So, uh, so anyway, that's my two cents worth. Thanks, Matt. Thank you guys so much for uh, the conversation today and just for the <laughs> wisdom. Appreciate what you're doing in your churches, and uh, and I know the pastors and those that are, that are watching will appreciate the the information that you're giving them. I'm gonna turn it back over to Scott. So good, guys. I've got notes all over this page here that I've been um, gleaning wisdom from you all. One of the things that really excites me is that I heard from everybody in this panel this idea that this is not a small church concept or a large church concept. This is the call of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is to be a disciple that makes disciple makers. That's, that's what he's called us to do. So um, I also heard you talk about a process, and that's one of our goals. Uh, we have a goal on our discipleship team is to help every Georgia Baptist church develop a relational disciple-making process in their church to where it's not just a program, but it's based on relationships, and it's a daily walk getting through that grind and also love to hear you guys because all three of you are pastors or four of you including Matthew talk about the pastor's role in this you know and I came out of 30 years local church so I, I agree with everything you said if that pastor is not on board if he's not speaking it from the main stage and if he's not modeling that then there's a ceiling on what we're going to be able to do in that local church so Ken Adams Bill Wilkes Jim Purdue thank you so much for being on our panel for those of you watching, make sure that you leave a comment. Let us know that you're here. Ask questions, and we're going to continue to work through uh, any of your questions or comments. Um, today, even the rest of this week, we'll work through those. So make sure you do that. And we're giving away free swag, as we do every time we have one of these broadcasts. So if you comment, uh, we're going to draw somebody's name, and uh, we'll send you some neat stuff, a umbrella, you know, Corvette, something that'll just bless your day. So guys, thanks so much. See you next time.